For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am super excited about today's show. I'll be joined by John Loomer, and we're going to talk about a number of new Facebook advertising changes that frankly impact all advertisers. And you're definitely going to want to check it out. By the way, if you want to reach me, you can email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And that comes to my inbox. And with that, let's transition over to this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? This week, I found Grammarly. Grammarly. Tell us about it. Yeah. So you know how when you're posting social posts and it's perfect and then later you come back and people have posted comments saying, you know, little asterisk and then a word and they've corrected you because you've you've either misspelled something or used the wrong spelling of a different version there and there and there for that matter. Right. Grammarly fixes that. Keeps it from happening. It's like spell check for your social posts. Interesting. So tell us a little bit about how it works and what is it? I mean, is it a piece of software or browser extension? What is it? It's both, actually. So you can download native Grammarly apps for free for the Mac and for Windows. And you can drop documents in there, and it'll do cool little spell check, grammar check, and all that kind of stuff for that. But it's also got browser extensions for Safari, Chrome, and Firefox. And those live check what it is you're typing on the web. So it's so I guess the key thing here is it goes beyond spell checking and it actually tells you that you've grammatically used that word incorrectly. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and it'll even analyze your writing. So for example, um, the so here's here's one of the examples. It says the loud noises prevented me to sleep, and it'll suggest uh, it prevented you from sleeping. So anytime you've got like a, an improper use of you know your your tense or different things like that, it will actually like standard uh, spell check that we're used to in the old Microsoft Office days. Right. It will give it will highlight those, and you can quickly switch them and make yourself sound smarter and <laughs> spell better as well. Very cool. And uh, what's the cost? There's a free program that does a lot of stuff. There's some upgrades to where it'll do even more intense, you know, checking and suggestions and all that. But the free program I've been getting tons of use out of. So, and spell it for us. It's called Grammarly. G R A M M A R L Y. Perfect. And um, it, does it only work within uh, web browsers or does it work within apps as well? Like, can you use it if you're, you know, using, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, 
I use I do everything in the web browser these days now that I think of it. But do you know if it's constrained to just the web browser? Is it like if you type in stuff in notes or or any kind of app, does it check everything across your entire computer? It's not necessarily, and I may be mistaken here, but I have basically been using it primarily in in my browsers. Gotcha. The desktop version is where, and I think you may be able to, with that, uh, it, allow it to have access to your entire system gotcha. and work that way, but it's primarily where they want you to drag and drop uh, files in there or write actually in that app, and it'll check as you go. And it's predominantly for the desktop. It's not necessarily a mobile solution, right? There's not necessarily a mobile. Yeah, I would love it if they had that, but gotcha. no. Awesome. And what's, where do we find it? You can just go to Grammarly.com. Excellent, Eric. Thank you so much for bringing us that find. You're welcome. We want to give a hat tip to Corey McGee, one of our listeners who sent us that awesome find. And, you know, there might be some really cool apps or extensions that you're using that make your job as the social media marketer better. If you want to send us your suggestions for possible inclusion in future episodes of this show, email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Again, podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Now let's transition over to this week's interview with John Loomer. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to welcome back to the show John Loomer. If you don't know who John is, he's a Facebook marketing expert who specializes in Facebook advertising. He's also the host of the Social Media Pubcast, and he blogs all about Facebook advertising over at johnloomer.com, J-O-N-L-O-O-M-E-R.com. John, welcome to the show. Mike, it's always a pleasure being on the show. Thanks for coming back. Uh, today, John and I are going to talk about a bunch of Facebook ad changes and what you need to know about it. Um, John, let's just dig right into it. I, I think one of the biggest things that's confusing people is the um, Facebook getting rid of the 20% text rule. <laughs> and um, I want to start by having you, for those that aren't intimately familiar with what, it, what, it, what the rule used to be and then what, what's the change that's happened now. So can you kind of explain what it used to be like before they made these changes? Sure. So, I mean, a little background on it, first of all, is that Facebook has learned over time, this is what they say, that they've learned over time that um, people prefer um, ads, and con ads in general, uh, with less text in them. Okay, so, I, so and this kind of goes back to banner ads, and like they don't want it to seem like... And you say gra when you say ads, you mean graphics, the graphical graphics. part of it. Yes. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm not referring to the actual copy that goes above an image. I'm talking about on the graphics, on the imagery itself. They don't want it to seem like a banner ad. Right. Um, so, and look, I, a lot of, I think a lot of advertisers are always skeptical of Facebook and their reports on these kinds of things. But you know what? Ultimately, Facebook wants a good user experience. So I will take them out of the word for that. So, so basically that's the inspiration for the 20% rule, which basically said up until recently that any image with more than 20% text would be rejected in a Facebook ad. And the way that was measured was really kind of strange. You, you placed a grid over your um, image, and if there, if there was text in more than five of the boxes – on that grid, five out of, was it 20? I think you're right. 
<laughs> five out of uh, 25, I think. Five out of 25. My math was bad there also. Uh, yeah, five out of 25 boxes, uh, it would be considered more than 20%. And which is all kind of strange in that a lot of times it wasn't so much how much text you had, but where the text was. Because you could, you could move it around to make sure you, you, only, you were only in five boxes. So that's the way it was. Um, going forward, they're getting rid of that rule. So you can have an image with as much text as you want in it, um, but in reality, it's just a matter of, okay, the more text you have in your image, the less reach, the more it's going to cost to reach people uh, if you run such an ad. Now, it's interesting because this is a relatively new, as of this recording, announcement, and initially, Facebook marketers were rejoicing because (laughs) they thought, yay, the 20% text rule is gone, and... um, what they said in the beginning is you can have more than 20%, but there was a consequence. And what was that consequence? You're not going to get as much reach, right? And in whatever reach you do get, it'll probably cost more. So I, I honestly think that over the long haul, this is going to have the reverse effect that a lot of people expect. Because, um, yeah, there are a lot of people rejoicing. This was originally tested back in April, and beginning in April in the UK. And I was getting a lot of reports from people, oh, 20% rule is going away, going away. Your ad was going to fall into different buckets, determine, depending on how much text it had, to determine how much reach it could get, how much it's going to cost. Um, and in reality, though, what that tells me, man, I, I'm suddenly motivated not to put any text in it at all. Because if I'm paying more just to put a line of text in there, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Um, so it, I think it could actually have a completely reverse effect. Well, and I'll be honest, um, you know, our team has been prepping images for our upcoming, I mean, for our social media success summit, which is, uh, will have launched by the time this uh, recording is going on. And we have our logo, you know, which has the word social media success summit in it. And it seemed like John, no matter what size we put it at, Facebook was saying it was going to restrict it. And um, my understanding is they have three tiers, right? Low? No, actually, they probably have four, right? Which four, is good. Right. Yep. What are they? Can you say what they are real quick? It was uh, okay, low, medium, and high. Right. And then, and what's the consequence of low, medium, and high? Can you kind of explain what those mean to people? <laughs> I mean, Facebook is very general about what, you know, what the result is. Um, and, and what's really hard for the advertiser, like for me, for example, I always had a grid that went over every image when I was creating it, so I knew it would fall within 20%. Now, there is no grid. So they just have some general guidelines. They don't say that it has to be 20% or 40% or 60 It's just like, here's an example, and you have to eyeball it. Uh, but basically, with, with if it's zero text, then... It's that's, okay. It's okay. If, 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 if it's have, anything more than zero, it's not okay. That's what it is, right? I mean, really. And then once you get to like the, the 20%, so very close to that 20% range is what they consider low. Um, but it's not. If like if you're compared their example for 20% to the actual 20% rule, it's actually a little bit more than 20%. Um, so it, it is confusing for anyone who's been following. I mean, basically what Facebook says is if you've been following the 20% rule up until now, it, you're not really going to see any changes probably. You, you should be fine. But again, there's that. Well, you know, but, the, but the, I can tell you that that's actually not accurate because like here's what we did we took an ad that we did for last year that was perfectly compliant within 20 percent, and it wasn't low it was the next level what is it medium i don't know what they call it but it was even more restricted than low so what did we do we took our sign and we resized it still okay never good we made it so tiny you couldn't even read it it still said low 
And then what we ended up doing was we removed all the text completely, and there was a couple words that were on a sign hanging yeah. off of a building, and we fuzzed those out, and it still said that it was low. So it pretty much... In not so many terms, Facebook is saying, don't use text. I mean, that's the gist of it, isn't it? Uh, pretty much. Now, I will say, I think, I think the system for detecting the text has changed and Might be broken. It is broken. Because <laughs> yeah. somebody, somebody else, uh, or at least buggy, because somebody else shared an image for me that was like a, a science, or not science, like a nature picture. And there was nothing. There was no text anywhere. And it was being flagged for text. Hmm. Um, so... I think this is still early, and and you know, we'll, we'll, Facebook has to fine tune, you know, that filter and and how they. What's the take home message, I guess, for us marketers? I mean, it sounds like don't use text, and you will get a cheaper ad. Is that kind of what the message is? Well, I think my take home is test, really, because um, the thing is, who knows if you do a whole bunch of text now? There's no twenty percent rule. And Facebook says it's just going to cost more to reach people and, you know, the, the reach will be less and all that stuff. Well, maybe you'll have amazing results because of that great text you had. Mm. That You know, so I don't want to say don't do any text. Definitely test it out. Um, I Again, like I said, I'm starting to want to experiment with no text. Now, I feel like my personal images would be extremely boring without right. any text because usually what I do is I just have, like, the, the title of what this, this article is. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, like anything else, test it out, compare the results and say, oh, wow, yeah, this one had this CPM, this one had this lower CPM, and this re- but, but at the same time, the higher CPM was resulting in better results. I mean, those are all things we got to figure out. Got it. So if for those of us that are doing remarketing of any kind, which so many of us are, if our brand is part of that remarketing, then we have to ask ourselves, <laughs> I mean, that's the struggle I'm going up against, right? Which is we have a brand, which is a sign, which is the name of our event. <laughs> and if we can't show the sign, then we should question whether or not we even want to show the ad, right? Because how's anyone going to identify with it, right? So maybe, like you said, it's worth a test and it's worth a quote unquote low um, yeah. Oh, and yeah. just to see if it performs and not be scared by the algorithm or by the autom- automatronic system yeah. that's telling us, hey, this is not okay, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to determine basically what is text that you absolutely need. Right. And, and you need your logo. Right. Um, and it's funny, though, too, because not all logos are created, created equal, I think. Right. Um, my logo has never been flagged. I don't know why. I don't. I don't want to let Facebook know that, so they start flagging it. But uh, it's never been an issue. And I just. I don't know if it's just how those logos are created or what. That, huh. that sometimes they they detect it and sometimes they don't. But yeah, you just have to determine. Uh, again, you don't know until you test it. And there's not. There's I mean, no I'm glad fit. you said that to be honest, because I was all ready to just go without it and just hope yeah. and, and pray that it would work. You know, I mean, like, I guess it's worth it if it converts in the end. I mean, um, and maybe we try a couple ads with a lot of text just to see if it converts, yeah. right? Because we oh, can absolutely. now, right? Absolutely. I mean, look, there's so many people out there who, who uh, this is advertisers, this is users who love memes, who like big old call to action text and all that kind of stuff. Um, and technically, you can do that now in right. an ad. Right. Now, you know, you, you're probably going to have to do a manual bid and, and bid really high to actually get that ad seen. But who knows? It may be extremely effective when you do it. So that's just something we're going to try out. Very good. Do you think that this 20% text rule, uh, switching from uh, a rule to kind of more of a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, 
if you will, a, a scale, you know, that goes from one yeah. end to the other is um, possibly at play also on organic posts. Do you think Facebook is applying the same rules to our organic posts? And if they have lots of text, they're just not showing them in the newsfeed? They aren't. But I, I will say this, though. Um, they aren't what? You don't think you don't think that's it? They're not applying it. They're okay. not applying it to text. But, but what, I, I, what I will say is, it, in, in a way, that's similar concepts, though. I mean, the, the, they said that users prefer ads that don't have a lot of text in them. Um, now, do users prefer uh, content, like organic content that doesn't have a lot of text in those images? I don't know. but Because ultimately, that's all Facebook really cares about with those organic posts. Right. So if it turns out people hate memes, which I'm not convinced, if it turns out people hate memes and organic posts, then I guess what we'll see is, yeah, they won't get a lot of reach. But um, it, it, the news feed is 100% driven by what users... Um, so you're not changing your open graph images on your blog post anytime soon to remove the headlines is what I hear no, you saying. Okay. I'm not. Perfect. Okay. Uh, awesome. I'm glad we unraveled this a little bit. I think a lot of people have a new sense of ease. The whole key here is to experiment. Uh, Facebook custom audiences have had some changes. Can you talk to us about what's changed in the last couple of months with that? Yeah, there are a couple of primary things. At first, I, like, I'm really big into website custom audiences. So that's creating audiences of people who have visited your website. Uh, so very, very powerful. These are people who have been to your site before, so they know who you are. But there was a weakness in those audiences in that, um, let's say you created an audience of anyone who's visited your site over the last 180 days. Those people all aren't created equal. You have some people who visited one time, some people who visited 50 times. Hmm. You have some people who bounced after three seconds, they don't even remember being there. Some people who spent hours upon hours on your site. And until recently, you could not differentiate the two. Um, so now, one of the, the, the beauties of the new website custom audiences, the advanced feature, is that you can create an audience based on frequency. How many times have they visited your website or they performed one specific action? So it could be visit your website, it could be make a purchase, it could be registered. Um, so now, when I promote my blog post, for example, in the past, I just target all of my website visitors over the last 180 days. Now I focus only on those people who visited at least three times during the last 180 days. Mm. So I figured the, the quality has been much better. The uh, cost per website click has been much better in those cases too. Um, so that is one of the changes. Um, also within the API. Wait, can I ask a quick question yeah, go on ahead, that? Go ahead, go so um, let's say we have a website and there are certain sections of the website that are the product or the service that we're selling. And let's say that it's not just one page, but it's a couple of different pages. Can we kind of create some sort of a, I don't know, a group, if you will, of pages and say, if anybody visits these group of pages multiple times, can you do that kind of thing? Or is it just the entire website? Right, right. So just like before, how you could create a website custom audience based on that section of your site, um, you can apply the same concept for the frequency. So and actually, the frequency isn't based on the, the domain or anything like that. You could, you'd actually could determine the, the URL, the website visit. So, so that's one. Oh, so like um, if it contains, like for example, if it contains uh, mycompany.com slash products and there's a whole bunch of sites that have that products in their domain, we could say uh, if it contains that and they visited it, these pages more than X times to target them. Is that what I hear you saying? 
Correct. And so there, there are lots of different ways that you can do this. And you could also do it based on time on site. So that's one of the beauties here, too, is that and now this isn't within the main interface. But if you wanted to um, target only these people who have been to your site for an hour over the last 180 days, you could do that, too. And you could also base it on, you know, the um, specific portions of your site. Uh, so that's only visited, uh, excuse me, within the API. So if you use a tool to create your, your custom audiences, you can do it there. Now, hold on a second. Let's just be crystal clear. The time on site, you can't, can you or can you not do that through Power Editor? Not currently through Power Editor. Okay. But, it, but there are already tools out there that access the Facebook Ads API where you can create, create what those. What are some things. of those tools for those of us that maybe don't use those tools that you would recommend? Oh man! So there's only one that I've tried so far that that um, that works. It's and I don't I don't even know if I want to promote it because I've I found too many bugs within it. Okay, well, where can we find these kinds of tools if we want to experiment with them? Do you know? Do we uh, just search for Facebook API ad tools, or is there like some phraseology that we would search for? Yeah, I mean, I think. Um, uh, I, I would look up Facebook Power Editor alternatives. I see. Okay. So, so another one now, an, a tool I've used in the past, and I, I assume they they allow you to do this within it, um, is Drift Rock. Drift Rock has a whole bunch of different um, tools for creating audiences, for for creating ads. Um, so that's another API based tool. So I mean, there there are a bunch of them out there. Okay. So just to be clear, the time on site has to be done through an API tool, but the the other part of it, which is the multiple times that they've been to the site, can that be done through Power Editor, or does that also need to be done through the API? No. So that that can be done through Power Editor. So so basically, it's uh, when you're creating an audience, you select custom con- custom combination. So right. that that was one of the options that almost no one used to use was custom combination, and then you do URL contains, and like you were saying. Um, it could be a section, it could be the domain, whatever, whatever you want to put in there. And then you indicate how many times over the last X, X amount of days. Um, that's so, cool. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah. But you can, also, you can also base it on, uh, sorry, but you can also base it on an event. So someone who um, made a search, made a purchase, did a particular registration. I mean, all kinds of things you can do. Wow. That's awesome. Well, one of the things you can do is when you combine Google Analytics data with these two functions, the ability to uh, determine the number of visits and the time on site, you can go into Google Analytics and depending on how you're tracking your conversions, you, you can look at customers that convert and you can look at what their average visits to the site are and their average time on site is so that you when you set up um, mm-hmm. these custom audiences in Facebook, you can kind of try to match, you know, to remarket to the audiences that kind of, match the ones that tend to convert if you understand what I'm saying right like if the average person visits two or plus times and they spend more than three minutes on a particular page you could create some some rule sets now it sounds like to remarket to them and know with a great deal of certainty that they seem to fall into the pattern of a customer and therefore put some more money towards them couldn't couldn't you absolutely and that'd be a great place to start I mean otherwise you can simply just I mean like one one way I use this in the beginning um, and I use this for both promoting content and promoting um, registrations was I created uh, four or five different audiences and I, I created uh, in four or five different ad sets. So uh, targeting people who visited the site once during the last 360 days, or excuse me, uh, 180 days, 
two to five times, six to 10 times, 11 to 15 times, six, you know, on and on and on. And it usually follows a trend that you would expect. The more often they visit your website, the better your results are. Um, it wasn't always in the order you'd expect, but you know, almost always it was like five plus or three plus at least you're going to get a better rate than people who visited less often than that. What else, if anything, has changed about the custom audiences? So a, another addition, um, now this, there's something called engagement on Facebook custom audiences that still not everybody has, but um, it is, it's going to be very powerful. The, within the last several months, first of all, video engagement on Facebook custom audiences were released, um, but recently a new addition was uh, the lead ad custom audience. So what's important about this, um, so lead ads, if anyone's not familiar with what a lead ad is, it's a way for an advertiser to collect a lead from a user without sending them to your website. So they complete a form at what looks like a, a typical image ad, like a link ad. They click on the image, it flips over a form really quickly, pre-fills all the information you're asking for usually, if it's just like name and email address. All they have to do is hit submit, and that's it. So the nice thing, or I guess a disadvantage initially of a lead ad, since they weren't being sent to your website, is you couldn't create an audience out of those people who, for example, went to the landing page but didn't convert. Uh. Or and, and sometimes the, the whole process of creating an audience of people who did convert could, could be a little bit tricky. So basically now with this lead ad custom audience, you can create audiences out of anybody who submitted so immediately you can upsell those people. You can exclude them from what from seeing that ad again. Um, but you can also create audiences out of people who uh, clicked but did not submit. So it could be kind of like a an abandoned cart type of experience where you show them something different because it looked like they had, they were interested, but for whatever reason they didn't submit. Mm. Or or you could create an audience of people just in general who clicked whether they submitted or not. Um, so that would just that would clearly be. People who are a little bit more valuable in general than those who ignored your ad, obviously. Um, but some of them submitted, some of them didn't. Well, it sounds like there's a ton of new options with the custom audiences. One of the questions that comes through my mind, John, is should we be setting all of our custom audiences to the maximum amount of time? I mean, is it what is it, 180 days or something like that? What's your thoughts it, on that? It depends. So um, there are... I, we've, and I've talked about this topic before. I think even with you, I definitely did in, in San Diego, is the whole concept of an evergreen campaign um, where you show people different ads depending on whether it's been a few days since they performed an action, et cetera. So that's an example of why you'd use a short duration. Like I want to show you a very specific ad for four days after you've registered for something. So I need an audience of of a four day duration in that case. Right. Um, I have found in general, it, it's somewhat counterintuitive in terms of you would expect that the 30 day audience would be more valuable than the 180 day uh, audience. I have found in general that hasn't necessarily been the case. Um, and so even if you have the volume of people coming to your site or perform these actions to, to create an, to create an audience that you can actually target within 14 days, 30 days, or whatever, you may want to try the 180 because I think what's happening here, 
So you give Facebook a larger audience to work with. It's more for them to, to it gives them a better sample size to be able to optimize. Mm. Um, that's my theory, at least, as far as why I've, ter- I've tended to see better results with the larger audience. How many different audiences do you have? I'm sure you must have hundreds, <laughs> right? Yes, hundreds. And, how, and how do you organize it all? I mean, do you have a little system for that? It's horribly. I mean, basically, part of it's the, just based on name. Okay. So I, so I can easily find them. Um, but I've absolutely got to go through and clean it up because I'm sure I have duplicates in there and things like that too. But the, the key is um, as soon as I write a blog post and I hit publish, I go create an audience for that. Hmm. So, so it would be viewed, whatever the name of that blog post is, 180 days. I do 180 for that one because normally the reason I'm, I'm creating it is to exclude that audience because I'm going to promote that blog post. I don't need to reach anyone who's already read the blog post. Can you do that? In hindsight, because I mean, if you've got if you've got the Facebook cookie or whatever pixel yeah. on every page of your site, technically it's watching everything, right? I mean, yeah. c- can you go back and add it later, and it's smart enough to go back in time and and know how many people have looked at just at that page, or or is it only once you set it up it starts tracking it? Yeah, no, you can you, abs- you can absolutely do it later. Um, I think it's just smarter to do it. Um, so you have at, it at the time, yeah, yeah, at the time you create this content. Um, and, and again, they have a good naming convention. So when you're putting together an ad, you're like, oh, I want to remarket to people who read this piece of content. I know what the name of that's going to be. Right. Um, just because you have this good naming convention. But just to be clear, if I, if I decided just today I had a crazy yeah. idea and I wanted to remarket to the people for the last 60 days that read an article, Facebook's kind of got all that data up there in the cloud and they can figure it out. Is that right? Or is yeah, it? So, okay. Yep. So okay. assu- assuming the, the pixel's been on your site for 180 days, they can go back 180 days to create an audience for you. Sweet. Awesome. All right, dynamic ads. Um, let's talk about that because I know that's um, – I think there's either it's new or there's something particular that's new about, about it. Can you talk about what it is and how it works? Well, I mean the, the main thing is – well, first of all, just to background what dynamic ads are. They, they used to be called dynamic product ads. Um, Facebook has changed it to dynamic ads partially because they don't see it only a- applying to tangible go- goods going forward. But what a dynamic ad is, is the ability to, let's say, upload a product feed. So let's say you have, you're an e-commerce site. You've got hundreds or thousands of products on your site. You don't want to create a different ad for every product, a different custom audience for every product. It'd just be a whole lot of work. So you first of all upload this feed. It's, it could either be a static feed that you have to change or it could be one that's it's like a, a, a sent to, to a, a URL that's constantly being updated. Uh, so Facebook knows what your products are, what the links to those products are, the images, the descriptions, the prices, all that kind of stuff. So they have that feed and then you create an ad template where um, basically you, in this template – there are pre-selected variables you throw in. It's like, okay, in this link description or, or the link headline, you put in the name of the product um, that, they, that they looked at. And in this description, you put in the description of that product. You pull that from the feed. And even in the, the copy, you put in the kind of like fill-in-the-blank kind of information in there, the price, all that kind of stuff. So then based on the page of your site they visit, the product that they view, you can dynamically show them a product in an ad. Mm, interesting. So that you don't, so it's kind of like a set and forget it kind of thing almost, isn't it? It is. Um, I, I would, again, 
kind of caution to a point because anything that's 100% automated like that, um, look, if you were to sit down and create 10 different ads for 10 different products where they're custom for those products and you think through a little bit more what the copy should be and who the audience is and all that kind of stuff, you're probably going to have more success. But it's not viable for an e-commerce site that has hundreds or thousands of products to do that. Um, so this would absolutely save a lot of time. And I think uh, I know you've written about how this would be a great example for the travel industry. Yes. So one of the, this kind of went hand in hand when they announced it was changing to dynamic ads instead of dynamic product ads. And I think one of the reasons was it was they had this new product for travel where it's not a tangible good that you're buying. So if you're a travel company that you have a, a website where someone can book a flight, they can book a hotel room. Um, now, dynamically, they can show ads based on either, let's see, the, the, the flight you booked. So immediately, okay, that flight was in, you're, you're going to Boston from next Monday through Thursday. So now you can dynamically show this person ads um, uh, for hotels in that area um, for those days. So And then the pricing would be dynamic too because the pricing might be different depending upon which days you're going. Interesting. So is there data, is this data assuming that you're a company that handles the flights and the cars or is there like an open um, system out there where like that data is being shared with Facebook and they know everybody who's, who's booking a flight and then all of a sudden all the car manufacturers <laughs> or all the, you know, all the, uh, you know, enterprise and all these guys start competing for these ad spaces or is this just all a remarketing play? Yeah, that was my question too. And and while I fully expect that could eventually be the case, um, unless it's being tested in that way right now, it's only if your site, you, you can perform all these actions on your site. Got it. Okay, cool. All right. Well, we've talked about the 20% rule. We've talked about um, the Facebook uh, custom audience changes. We've talked about dynamic ads. I want to mention, I want to spend just a second talking about 360 images and 360 video. And I'll just real briefly describe it for our listeners. Uh, 360 images are when you move your phone around and you can kind of see parts of the image and, and video is exactly the same. Um, it's relatively new in the grand scheme of things. And I'm just wondering, do you think that 360 ads are coming? What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, first of all, now I haven't tried this myself because I haven't created a 360 image or 360 video, but any organic post that you create, you can promote. Good point. So, huh? so I, I can't imagine that there's any restriction on that right now. Now, could be call me a liar and prove well, that. Well, here's it, an it easy way back. to test it. If you pull out your phone and you do a panoramic shot, yep. um, you know, which is where you put on panorama and you slowly move your phone around and you upload that to Facebook, it'll automatically become a 360 image. Right. So that'll be interesting to see whether you can attach that 360 image, you know, as an image in an ad and whether it sees it as 360. Right. Um, I would imagine it would be really useful for certain kinds of ads, like for destinations, you know, or for retail. I mean, not retail, home, home sellers or rentals, right? So you can kind of show what the hotel room looks oh, like, yeah. or if you want to show what the inside of the car looks like, it would be kind of cool, I would think, you know? Absolutely. I mean, any type of business where you have a product, service, whatever, where you want to share an experience. Right. Um it's it's pretty amazing. Some of the some of the uses I've already seen of it, and I'm, even simple things like this is my office. This is where I work every day, and showing right. exactly the way. Because it's really hard otherwise to kind of share that experience. 
with within you know the the size of a typical image, and to kind of provide a, and this is where Facebook's really going in general, like with Canvas and like all these other ex- experiences too. That it's immersive. Um, I, I mean, we're talking about virtual reality too. I mean, there's they're trying to make these more of a, an immersive, three dimensional experience as opposed to just text, just a typical image looking within those few pixels. And so it'll be interesting to see how creative brands get. Uh, Canvas ads. I know that um, most people listening probably don't understand what Canvas ads are. They seem to be for more big brands and they seem to be more kind of a full immersive experience, kind of like a Facebook instant article. At least that's been my assumption. It is. It is. Yeah. And you, you told me before we started this recording that there's been a couple changes recently. Can you tell us what's changed? Yeah, so the, the primary, well, first, again, just to kind of explain it, anyone who's not familiar with Canvas and Instant Articles, it's basically if you uh, click on what, what looks like a link ad, that content immediately loads in your phone without going to a website. I even though it has a lightning bolt on it or something, doesn't yep, it? Yep, yep. And so it looks a lot like an Instant Article. It works in this very similar ways, but it's not pulling from a feed from your site, which is what an Instant Article would do. You basically build it. They give you this whole editor. Um, so you don't have to be a big big brand. Anyone can do it. You have this editor where you go in and you can uh, you have different components you can add, whether it's text or imagery or carousels or product feeds or videos, whatever you want. And um, so you don't really have to even be a designer to create these. But the, so that was only in an ad format originally. The change is, and I, I think by the time people hear this, everyone will have this, or at least will be rolling out. So um, beginning the 22nd of June, you can also create these organically. So if you want to create this immersive experience, but you don't necessarily want to turn it into an ad, um, you can create an organic canvas as well. So they're just referring to it as canvas. So you're creating a canvas versus a canvas ad. Is that the idea? Right, right. So, and so you would do that. Um, why would um, we want to do that? What's your thoughts? I mean, I understand why Facebook wants us to do that. They want us to taste test it, right? And they're hoping we're going to put money behind it. I'm imagining, don't you think? But why would we want to do it as like page managers or whatever? What's your thoughts on that? I think the question anybody has to ask is, why would my users want this? Why would my readers want this? Mm-hmm. And it's, and I think it's it's it, it, you can create some pretty amazing immersive experiences. So, for example. Instead of just sharing a video in, in one organic post, so we're not even necessarily talking about ads, why not share something as a, a video, it's a carousel. It's, so, so for example, it, it, could, it could be product-based. You've got a video that introduces the product and shows behind the scenes and creating it. You've got a carousel below it in this canvas that shows these um, maybe three different views of it or it could just be three, three variations of the product. You've got a product feed below it, which automatically loads in um, all these ways that you can buy that product and similar products. I mean, so basically, it's not relying on one content type. Um, so you're creating this more, I think, more interesting experience. Yeah, multimedia for, for users. Correct. Yeah. Excellent. So, um, last question: live video. It's obviously very hot right now. I don't think they figured out a way to obviously put money behind it because you can't schedule live video. But I'm just curious mm-hmm. what your thoughts are, if you've heard any thoughts in the industry about whether there's going to be any live video ad options coming or any, anything on that. What's your, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, you're absolutely right. The, well, first of all, the live video is huge. It's hot. Um, but that, that weakness 
And I, there was a TechCrunch article that spoke specifically about this. So there's no waiting room, for example, for, for live video that you Yeah, you, you can't, can't promote it. You can't subscribe to it, right, before it goes can, live? Yeah. I mean, you basically have to do workarounds to say, like, for example, you could do it from, from an, like, create an event, for example. Um, you but could then, do a live video. You, but then you don't have the audience at that event, yeah, I know, right? I know. I mean, they, they have yeah. to get into the event and all right. that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely not perfect. But um, and then you can promote it, but you can promote it basically as a recorded video after the fact. So that is absolutely a weakness. Um, but you can bet that Facebook knows it's a weakness, and they can make more money if they allow you to schedule it and say, "Hey, anyone who wants to attend this, that's going to happen on this day," and promote it and have. I, I think it's me somehow. It's probably related. a question of not if, but when it's coming, don't you think? Absolutely. I and mean, there's so many changes happening all at once. Yeah, I mean, I've not. I don't think the. I don't think. I mean, I don't know, John, you've been around for a while. I don't think I've seen as many um, changes that we've seen with the live video thing in the last year. You know, I mean, it hasn't been a year yet. And if you think about all the stuff with Facebook Live that they've rolled out, like the world map, and yes. um, even Mark Zuckerberg recently hinted how, wouldn't it be cool if you could bring on some of your fans for like 10 or 20 seconds onto the video feed when he did a live town hall? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's so much that they're working on here. And obviously, it's a customer retention you know, for Facebook, it's a way for people to stay on Facebook longer, right? Because they're getting exclusive live content. But I would imagine it's just going to be a question of when, not if they're going to be, they're going to be pushing ads. And I would imagine it's not just going to be what we think. They're probably, they probably will ultimately push third party ads uh, on some of these shows while they're live, just like YouTube pushes ads on our videos, right? Why, why? So I would imagine there'll be monetization opportunities on the live video, don't you think? And maybe it's your ads or maybe it's somebody else's ads. But if you start getting to the point where we have shows, like Social Media Examiner does every week on Facebook, I'm sure it's just a question of when there'll be some sort of ad in the lower third, you know? And whether that ad will be ours or somebody else's is probably an interesting question. And it'll probably be audience network ad in there, right? Just like just like how you use audience network to monetize um, uh, your instant articles. You can actually monetize a mobile website. Um, you can you can guess that absolutely. Can you talk to that for a second? Because there's yeah. been a lot of confusion about what the audience network is. Okay. So audience network is a way to, first of all, for an advertiser, um, reach your, your audience that you would um, be targeting with your Facebook ads when they are typically away from Facebook. So it's within partner mobile apps. So um, I'm trying to think of a, a name of an app that uses it. Um, I, I, the name's escaping me right now. Pandora? But basically, Let's just say hypothetically Pandora. Well, let's just type, hypothetically Pandora. Okay. Um, you're using that app and there's an app or there's an ad down at the bottom or there's a pop-up or whatever that that could be a Facebook ad. So they're not on Facebook at the time. They're monetizing their app by using Facebook Audience Network mm. ads. So as an advertiser, you can reach people even if they're not on Facebook. So my website visitors, people based on interests, whatever, while they're using these, these apps. But additionally, that's expanded to, like I was saying, um, instant articles. So when, when a publisher creates an instant article, they can embed ads within them that either are their own ads or they are um, audience network. So other advertisers can reach their readers who are reading your instant articles, and you as a publisher can make money off of that. Um, so that's another place, and again, uh, mobile It's kind of like what Google does with AdSense, right? Yes. 
or is it AdSense? Yeah, I think I'm right. Yeah, because you could... AdSense, AdWords, yep. Yeah, AdSense from the publisher side and AdWords from the advertiser side. But the idea is that, you know, um, in this case, we're talking about mobile apps, right? And um, where we're talking about special features for quote-unquote publishers inside of Facebook, like Instant Articles. And if we think of uh, live video people as publishers, which they are, then yeah, I think that's coming. And that's kind of exciting because that's a monetization opportunity for uh, the publishers that are putting out content on Facebook. And I, I, I think that's probably what they're doing. Um, aren't they paying, aren't, isn't Facebook paying some of that more high profile um, video folks to produce videos on Facebook? I wonder if that's they what, are. I wonder if they're using the same kind of technology to allow those ads to come through to those publishers. I mean, it's such an interesting world, isn't it, John? It's really changing rapidly. Absolutely. And honestly, I think that Audience Network, even though it's kind of a low-key underground option right now and people, I don't think people are getting great results from it, long-term, we're talking about a potential AdWords, AdSense rival hmm. um, because this is Facebook's advertising network where it's away from if, – if publishers start placing it on, on their websites, not just their instant articles but their actual websites – and if they get paid more because the targeting is so good within Facebook ads, if they get paid more and they start preferring it over AdWords, AdSense. Oh, and just think about the size of the market out there of people that oh, advertise on Facebook, right? They would go for any kind of new opportunities, especially to get people that are not necessarily just on Facebook. And I'm, more, I'm excited about the desktop side of it as well because there's that whole community of people that sit at a physical computer all day long. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And yeah. do their work like a lot of these listeners right here. And if if there's a way that um, you could somehow remarket to them while they're on certain kinds of websites, that that's huge. I mean, because that's what you can only do pretty much with Google today. Well, John, I just want to thank you for um, talking through all these awesome new changes. I know you talk about this all the time on your show and also on your website. So why don't you tell people where they can discover more about you and all the cool things you got going on? Oh, nice and simple. Just go to johnloomer.com. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash johnloomerdigital or at johnloomer on Twitter. Uh, you know, one little plug, if you, if you want to learn more, if you're kind of in the beginner, intermediate stage, not maybe advanced yet, I've got free webinars that run every month now. So if you just go to johnloomer.com at the very um, it, very top right now, I kind of have it buried. It's kind of like an underground thing where I'm not promoting it too heavily yet. There's a link for quiz. You can take a quiz to learn how much you actually know about Facebook ads, and that can lead you into actually attending one of my webinars. Awesome. And I just want everybody to know it's J-O-N, and then the last name is L-O-O-M-E-R.com. John Loomer, thank you so much for joining me this on this episode. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Mike. Well, I hope you got a lot out of this week's episode. By the way, if there's anything we mentioned, don't worry, we take all the notes for you. If you didn't catch it, just simply go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash 207. Also, if you're brand new to this podcast, please hit that subscribe button on your podcast player so you don't ever miss a future episode. And if you're a regular listener and you haven't done so, would you please consider giving us a rating? Socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. You can do it from your phone. I would really love it. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. 
Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.